Hello and welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough, and with me today is Dr. Will Shepard. He is a private practitioner and he is in the field of ear, nose, and throat. In fact, his group is ENT and Allergy of Delaware. And Dr. Shepard and I have had an opportunity to work many times over the years and, and I've gotten a chance to work with him on some tough cases, but primarily as a family doc, we do a lot of routine things, as those of you who listen know. And this time of year, you know, we're talking about late spring, early summer. What are the big things you see from an allergy standpoint, Dr. Shepard? Currently, uh, we have patients who tend to come in with chronic nasal congestion, post-nasal drip, watery eyes, itchy nose, scratchy throat. Those are our big main symptoms we we look out for in terms of the uh, allergy season. So when you look at those things, obviously the patients come in. When they come in, I've got to believe, in fact, I know in my office, by the time they get to me, They've tried a lot of over-the-counter stuff. They've, they've tried stuff that at one time was prescription stuff for us that we has gone over-the-counter. So they've tried things, and they're often very frustrated, and I wouldn't say angry at me, but they're angry. By the time they get to you, they must really be at a point of frustration because somebody like me has said, uh-oh, I need help. I can't help either. So what happens at that stage? Well, at that stage, what we, what we generally do is we tend to go over their, what, what they've tried in the past, why it hasn't worked, and... I think one of the best questions is, if I can make one of your symptoms go away, what would it be? And, and that kind of clues us in into what's really bothering them. So if you can get certain symptoms to go away, what is the answer that most people say? Like, what, what's the most common thing? Well, I think a lot of them, what, what we're looking for from a, I think, nasal congestion, post-nasal drip, those are the big two that I look at when I'm starting to think about, all right, this person has clear signs of allergic rhinitis. What I'm what I really am looking also to see is if they start saying I have headaches or facial pain, it's amazing how many patients come to me with headaches and facial pain and think they have allergies or sinusitis, when if that's your primary complaint, more likely than not, it's an atypical headache. And what they end up doing is they, they've been treating themselves with Sudafed, which makes their headache go away, but as soon as the Sudafed wears off, their headache comes back. So... That's one of the first little decision trees we, we get down when we start uh, taking a good history of them. You know, you bring up an interesting point, which we see in primary care, and clearly in your case it might be the same thing. You're going down that decision tree, and you're thinking, well, does this person maybe have migraine? You know, does this person yeah. have an allergy? When you make those decisions, is it purely clinical? Are there certain things, for instance, if you're looking at migraine versus allergy, what goes off in your mind to help you make that determination? So facial pain is migraine until proven otherwise. And uh, nasal congestion, post-nasal drip, decreased sense of smell, those are nasal and sinonasal issues until proven otherwise. I think, and I, I tell a lot of patients, I, a lot of patients have what I call the trifecta. They have allergic rhinitis, they have chronic sinusitis, and they also have an atypical headache. And I tell them, you know, even, and we'll, we'll take a good history, we'll examine them, we'll decongest and uh, anesthetize their nose, do, do a uh, in, uh, flexible uh, nasal endoscopy in our office, get a good idea of what things look like, the lay of the land. And then what we do with a lot of them is I'll allergy test them, and we'll also go down the path in some of them in getting a CAT scan of their sinuses. And I'll try to put them on some medicine, have them come back, and in about a month we end up going over both, and then we get an idea about which ones of those prongs is really bothering them. So if their allergy test comes back negative or relatively mild and their CAT scan's normal, then we know we're really dealing with headaches. 
and, and vice versa. So it, it allows us, we, sometimes we have to collect some data up front to really help us guide our, our treatment pathways. You know, inherent in your answers as you're going through this clearly to me is this isn't just like a one-stop shop. You come in, you treat them, and they're gone. This is something where you're trying to follow them over time, get a sense, and work with them. Yes, all of these issues, chronic sinusitis, allergic rhinitis, I, I keep reminding these patients this is a medical diagnosis, just like high blood pressure, diabetes, things like that. It's the way your body's responding to things. You know, so many people walk in our door wanting us to operate on them right away. And even those patients who have nasal polyps and bad chronic sinusitis, I tell them, you know, surgery is an adjunct, but it's not going to change the way your body behaves. And so we really try to focus on what's the causative factors. When you turn to surgery, um, obviously there's many different procedures, new and old, out there. But um, how many, what percentage of your patients go to surgery, and, and for what reasons do they usually you know, end up in the operating room? I would say um, out of the patients who come into our practice, I would say of the patients I see in a week, I would say less than, almost none go to surgery right away. It's less than 10%, and maybe less than 20% go to um, surgery overall, I think. So if it's less than 20% go to surgery and you're in that situation, obviously you're, you're watching them and you're looking for certain things that are specifically there. When you're working with your primary care physician, um, how important is the communication and, and how do you get back to them and give them updates? Because I'm sure that's a big part of what you're doing as well. Our updating is much more easier now. We, we transitioned to EMR, on, like I'm sure a lot of your listeners have. Uh, we transitioned about 18 months ago, and now we generate letters immediately before the patient leaves the room, uh, the primary care doctor is getting an e-fax from us that says about uh, what, what we've just done and what our treatment plan is. It also helps a lot when patients have, just like you should never send a patient to a dermatologist before you've put, put them on steroid cream, you know, it helps if patients have been teed up a little bit by the primary care doctor. So it's nice when a patient comes to me and says, hey, I've been on you know, a couple courses of antibiotics, I've been on um, and antihistamine and, and a nasal steroid spray, and I've been on this stuff and I'm not better, then we know they're a little bit farther along down the path. And I, I think the, the one thing I believe is underused, I think Sudafed is overused. I'm not a huge fan of Sudafed, and I think the steroid nasal sprays are underused. And patients don't like nasal sprays, but they're topical and they are by and far and away the best drugs for uh, nasal congestion and post-nasal drip, and, and they have a low side effect profile. And some of my patients are like, well, I don't like the way they taste. And I, and I basically say, well, I'm sorry, then enjoy your nasal obstruction. So, you know, it's, it gets to the point that patients have to understand, I, you know, it's, you're not a child. It's, it's, you know, if you're really having symptoms, you need to take this, even though you may not like the way it tastes. And there's different medicines that taste less and stuff like that, which we try to work with them for as well. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough. I'm speaking with Dr. Will Shepard, and we're talking about allergies and issues associated with allergies. He's an ear, nose, and throat physician. And when you talk about various problems, of course, polyps come up. You know, you hear people say, I have polyps. It's, it's not always an easy diagnosis to make, certainly for the primary care physician. Sometimes you need to really get in there and, and see what's going on. But let's talk a little bit. How common are polyps? How do you deal with them? And, and what should we do from a primary care role? Uh, most people with polyps, it's a slow process. And the, the key question, I think, with polyps is nasal congestion and decreased sense of smell and taste and or taste. But 
almost all patients with significant nasal polyposis are going to notice some changes in their sense of smell. Not all, but that's a good, they tend to have that hyponasal voice that some, you know, adenoid type children have, uh, and they sound like they're obstructed. They open mouth, breathe a lot, and things like that. So they, they tend to look like they're having some issues up there. So they actually are somebody who, when they come walking in the room, you can probably get a sense. You know, that's I can. It. Yeah, and I was going to ask you that. I, I got to believe if you do this all day, every day, and you, you know you get good at what you do, a lot of these cases you probably can say, oh, I know what's coming through the door right now. Yeah, and, and it's, it's interesting. We'll, we'll have, I'll have a PA student who will spend a month at a time with me, and I'll tell the PA student, I'm like, you'll, you'll be amazed just sitting here for two weeks in my office, you'll start to know the questions I'm going to ask, and you'll start to already know what the patient has before we even start looking at them. A lot of the ENT exam is pretty straightforward, and it's really how the question, asking the right questions and understanding what the answers mean when they come back to you. I think that's a, a, good, a good history gets you really far um, in our field. When you're giving advice, and I know you, you work with primary care doctors, and you, you give them instructions, and especially the younger ones, what do you tell them? Like, what are the things we should look for uh, in primary care that could help us in treating our patients with allergies and issues like that? You know, I think a nasal speculum, I know you guys don't get, use nasal speculums that much anymore. A nasal speculum really allows you to look farther up the nose. Um, and don't be hesitant to, to shine any sort of light up the nose and try to get a decent view past just the entrance to the nose. Um, if you can just see it an, an inch or so inside the nose, you can see a lot more pathology. So the little tiny nasal speculums that are a couple bucks, it would be great if primary care doctors could get back to getting more adept at using those. That being said, I, I, think, I think the key is everyone's busy, and you can't be a pro at everything. I mean, it's, it's amazing all the different things you guys have to remember. But it's just really, I think, just the right questions almost without, if you don't want to focus too much on the exam, just try to figure out if they really have nasal obstruction, post-nasal drip, versus if, you know, are they having smelling problems, are they having headaches and facial pains. And you got to, you also got to get a history of allergies. Do they have dermatitis and things like that? A lot more middle-aged women tend to have headaches and facial pain. They tend to blame it on the allergies, but if you question them, they'll notice that their symptoms will come on when the pressure changes or when a front comes through. They're like little human barometers. So it just, it's just all a matter of trying to, to pin them down and, and get patients to answer the right question. Like I'll ask a patient, uh, if I could make one thing better, what would it be? And they'll say, um, cure my sinusitis. And I'm like, well, that's not really, that's not a symptom. That's a diagnosis. You need to give me a a symptom. So you got to kind of walk them through it a little bit. So you're kind of guiding them through as well. And I, I, I bet a lot of this also is managing expectations, kind of letting them know, well, you know, this isn't going to happen in one day. Right. And the other thing is, and you're right, they're frustrated. And, and, and allergies can, you know, allergies have a profound effect upon the workplace and people are fatigued, they're tired. I try to get them off of, a lot of times they're on too many medicines. And I try to get them off of a lot of different medicines that haven't been working um, I'm a huge fan of saline irrigations, and I try to put a lot of them on just a saline irrigation and a topical steroid nasal spray and really get them on board with doing the nasal spray every day. And no excuses, put it by your, put it by your toothbrush and do it every night before you go to sleep. And we even walk through with them how to use the nasal steroid spray properly. So 
I try to cut back some of their medicines and say, let's just start from the beginning and really use one thing at a time. What got you into this field? I always like asking when we have different specialists on our program, what was it that attracted you to the field? You know, are you glad you did it? Are you? Oh, I love to- what I do. I, I mean, if I, I don't look back and wish I would have chosen anything else. And I, and I went to medical school thinking I was going to be a orthopedic surgeon because I broke a lot of bones in high school and got kind of interested in my, my the orthopedic doctor in my hometown in South Carolina, I really liked, and so I went to went through college and got fortunate enough to get into medical school and did gross anatomy. And I got to anatomy, and I really could not stand bones and joints, and I really enjoyed head and neck anatomy. And I I knew I wanted to operate, and I liked ENT because you see men and women. Um, I saw a yesterday I saw a two month old, and today I saw a 98 year old. So I see a wide variety of ages and. It's just kind of, you, you know, you have some kids that come in, they keep the day popping, and it's just a nice, it's a nice clinical mix for me. And I'm sure every now and then there's really serious stuff that comes through, too, where you're able to make a very important diagnosis. I, I feel like I know a lot about a small area, and the buck stops with me, and I kind of like that in some ways. And, and there are times when we feel like that, you know, there's, for instance, when we do stapes surgery, middle ear surgery, there are not that many people who can do that kind of thing. And that's a good feeling when you bring someone's hearing back and they're, they're doing well and, you know, you have a positive impact on them. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. When you're a specialist and you're at kind of like the final line, I guess you can go to the major medical centers and get some support there, but there really isn't that much further to go once they got to you. No, there's not. And, and in our group, we have uh, seven partners, and some partners are, do a little bit more laryngology. Some do more head and neck surgery. I'm our uh, otolaryngic allergist and sinus person, and you know, the people go back and forth. And so we'll ask each other or we'll send a patient to one of our partners, and we'll even send patients. There's another guy in town who's not even part of our group who does certain types of surgery that we don't do as much. We're, we're happy to send patients wherever. And, and in Delaware, we're lucky that we have UPenn, uh, Jefferson, and Hopkins all around us. So you can always phone a friend if you need to. Right, and that's certainly a big thing you can do. Well, Dr. Will Shepard, we've run out of time. I want to thank you for joining and sharing your insights on primary care today. It's, it's really great to have you here. And uh, you mentioned uh, South Carolina. I know you're a Clemson guy. Um, <laughs> hopefully, I don't know that. They haven't done as well in football as I would think recently, but that's another story for another day. Yes, yes. Well, you know, thank you for bringing that up. That's, that's nice. <laughs> you still have the best uniforms out there. I got to tell you, I love the color. <laughs> Thanks. If you've missed any or part of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com slash Primary Care Today. You can download the podcast. You can learn more on the series. We're here every week with different conversations with experts trying to talk about primary care issues and how they impact you. Until next time, stay healthy.